2: Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show.
3: Even the crowd knows what's coming next.
2: Monday to you. It's Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. We appreciate you joining us for the next three hours. And if you want to share your thoughts and comments, join the show. You can do so by texting in to the Garage Door Guru text line. The number to text is 704 570 9610. Once again, 704 570 9610. Walker Mail, Wes Bryant, Josh Fiddy Marlowe. Not in a great mood on Friday, but we were able to get ourselves into a better mood because of the listeners writing in jokes for one Fiddy. Fiddy now seems to have all of the energy coming into today. And it's not that we're in a bad mood, Wes. We just don't have the energy that Fiddy does, I guess, this morning. Until you screamed and then scared me because you've done this probably. You didn't look like it, though. You kept up. a poker face because I was trying to make you jump. I know. Well, this is the thing about reactions. Like I, I feel like I react too slowly. And so if, (laughs) if I actually did have my real emotions come to light, it would show just how scared i was but i react too slowly and therefore it's like oh yeah you're just a stone-cold killer got a great poker face but really yeah i'm, man. Just, I'm just not reactive in you time get on the inside 100 that's yeah. what happens so Internalize that's what it. i do and fitty wants me to externalize it all my feelings he <laughs> wants to argue today for some reason like he's rare enough to go i don't know why he wants to argue and that's just kind of his mood but that we'll see if we get to it later on in the show today. We have a good show for you, as always. Mock Draft Melee at the bottom of the hour. Wes went to Clemson. He posted videos with not only Dabo Sweeney, but Kate Klubnick. Gave him a tough question to answer as far as the quarterbacks and yeah, Clemson man.
3: history. Lots of stuff.
2: Yeah, so we'll get to some of that. All right uh, week. Fight week. You keep trying to make this a thing, though. It's it
3: just, is. It's like the biggest fight in the last decade. Not just not because right, you guys don't pay attention to boxing, I and, and I don't really. This is my <laughs> kind of fight. Like I'm not every week sitting there watching ESPN Friday Night Fights. But when it's big, big dogs, they're coming out with the furs and the chains and all the stars out. This is one of the big fights in the last oh, decade, but, and I like.
2: Tank but Davis. you keep saying. But you keep saying past decade. We had one not too long ago with Tyson Fury. No, but when you watch like. The boxers talk about this
3: in the boxing community. Like, this is a ginormous
2: fight. Well, who am I thinking? Tyson Fury and then... Tyson yeah, the Fury and Deontay Wilder yeah. was was
3: big, too. But this is bigger. Because both this of is these- bigger than that? Yeah. All because right. both of these guys, Javante Davis and uh, Ryan Garcia, are both fancy. Like, okay, if I had to give you... a um, Javante, he's not quite Floyd, but he's, like, the biggest draw in boxing at the moment. And then Ryan Garcia is, like, the next Oscar De La Hoya if I was to put it in context for you. These are two guys at the top of the sport that are going to be around that look like Hall of Famers. So this is
2: probably the first in... A few fights for them, but this is huge. Okay. Well, I mean, look, we can you can make it a thing if you want to. I will try to. There I'm you not, go. There I'm you not, go. Make it what? a thing if you want to. Well, it's no, a I'm thing. I'm saying with us. With us. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just saying, look, man. I'm saying with us. <laughs> Me and Fiddy are not going to yeah, be the yeah, ones yeah. that give all of the analysis here. Yeah. I can't pretend. I I can only talk about what I know. And I do not know boxing like that. I do not yeah, I mean, know neither. the match that we're going to see. But, yeah, we can talk about it a little bit if you want to. That's fine as the week goes on. Yeah, as sure. the
3: week goes on. Friday, okay. we'll hit it a
2: little bit. And then Carolina Listen. Hurricanes. Canes night. I mean, it's just mm. great. Mm.
4: Been <laughs> waiting for this all year long, baby. No. he <laughs> really That frustrates
2: me so. I don't know why. Yeah. Been, <laughs> he's, he's saying we as if he's been this lifelong Islanders fan. <laughs>
4: like, yeah, oh,
2: yeah, we're going to win this
3: weekend. And then after they're oh,
2: down 2-0, week. he'll go back.
3: To call them figure skaters.
4: I, I, I do want to say this, like in all seriousness, I am offering myself to the hockey gods. Like I'm going to tune in. I'm going to watch. This is the time. Like like if if hockey doesn't captivate me this playoffs series or this playoffs, I'm out. Like like I'm doing the same with well, the NBA. Probably
2: not though, right? I, I don't mean- know.
4: Like I I I said to the NBA, I'm here. Make me want to watch for <laughs> the most part this weekend. It made me want to watch. I want compelling. I want it to be what everyone tells me it is, the best playoff atmosphere.
3: This should be a good playoffs, man. I mean, you know, I follow the Canes pretty heavily, so then I've learned about other teams through that. And, I mean, just looking at the East, I mean, it really looks like there's not many bad playoff series at all. I mean, Boston will crush the Panthers. But other than that, all the series look great. I mean, on the Western Conference side, there's – There's a great series as well, but the Canes, if they're going to get to the Stanley Cup, it's going to be a tough road. And I do want to see them do well.
2: Like, I mean, just because I'm not as up to date on them or know nearly as much about them as I do the other professional sports teams here in North Carolina, I do want to see them do well. And so, yeah, hopefully... Maybe we can pull those strings that you got over there because you're the one to sound the siren. We can get Sebastian Ajo on again. <laughs> yeah, we can parlay yeah. that into a yeah. Brenda Moore appearance and uh, start to talk some canes. We're going to make it, it happen. On We're going to well. make it happen. Exactly. Here on Wes and Walker. Once again, we appreciate you hopping on with us. Alright, let's talk about the news that broke on Friday. Very NBA Friday news dump worthy. Where of course they don't want a whole lot of attention surrounding this product or this storyline. And it is the storyline surrounding Miles Bridges. Here is the NBA. I just want to. I'm going to read the exact two paragraphs that Baxter Holmes wrote in ESPN.com. Sham Sharania of the Athletic, though, he's the one that broke the story for the Athletic on Friday. Really, right after our show ended. I mean, if our show ended at exactly 2:53, the news came in before Kyle even started his show. So really, end that break. That's when the news came across. And so here it is. The NBA suspends Charlotte Hornets restricted free agent forward Miles Bridges for a total of 10 games in the 2023-2024 season, if he signs with the team by then. And that is going to be without pay for his role in a 2022 felony domestic violence incident against the mother of his two children. Her name is Michelle Johnson. The NBA announced the suspension Friday, noting that it was a 30-game penalty, but that the league deemed that Bridges, who did not sign a contract for last season has already served 20 games. So just to provide clarity, because this thing can kind of get confusing if you do get lost into the details, but the NBA total has decided to implement a 30-game suspension. The reason that number matters is because that takes away a higher percentage of Miles Bridges' salary, but also they are arbitrarily deciding that 20 games of that 30 – will have already been served based off of last season, and that I guess you're just trying to land on some round numbers, 10 games is what he's going to miss coming in to next season. So 10 games is essentially the new quote-unquote suspension. But it seems arbitrary. It seems confusing. And I have no clue why the NBA decided to land on this number. I, I understand also, I, I guess, look, the reason they come they come to this number is because Rich Paul, Clutch Sports, the agency of Miles Bridges, I have to imagine the NBA is trying to sidestep any appeal that might come their way. So I don't even know if this is naive. I don't know if what I'm saying is crazy. But I have to imagine that the association is going to come up with a number, put it in place to get the most amount of games without having some sort of appeal. Because legally, Miles Bridges pled no contest. It is not a formal admission of guilt, so the NBA has a possibility of only being able to do so much. I would like to see the appeal process take place, though. Go ahead, hit him with the longer suspension, then just have Clutch Sports already go after you, right? Like, just let them come in with the appeal, hey, no, this is not fair, whatever, and then let it happen. But the problem is... The NBA and Clutch Agency and Miles Bridges, they're all incentivized to move past this as much as possible. And there, within that, lies the problem. I'll let you share some of your thoughts here, Wes, as we kind of dive deeper into the suspension.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's big trash, uh, to put it plainly. Like I said, they're showing that the NBA doesn't, you know— look at domestic violence as harshly uh, as they should. I mean, just look back in the day, 1997, Latrell Sprewell, uh got suspended, lost his contract, and he was suspended for essentially a year, which equated to 68 games for a choking and punching his coach at the time. And so you have situations like that where he gets a severe, severe punishment, loses his contract. They terminated the Warriors, terminated his $23.7 million deal. Two days after that. So, I mean, that was as harsh as it gets. You talked about, you know, Gilbert Arenas and Javar Crittenden getting 50 and 38 games apiece bringing guns in the locker room. But yet, we saw what Miles Bridges did. We saw the pictures. We saw the video. We saw the son talking to the grandmother. All of those painful things to watch. And yet you come back with this, you know, only 10, uh, you know, games when you dumb it down, talking about the time served. And it's absolutely ridiculous. And it shows that the NBA doesn't really care about women as much as they want to put on and, and say that they do. They don't really care about domestic violence as much as they try to sit there and say that they do. And we see this all the time. I mean, this was as harsh and as brutal uh, as you could think of when you talk about it. And it doesn't matter the size, but when you talk about a man that size doing that to a woman, a man that's capable of that, no, it, it's not enough. Like you said, they should have given him the longer suspension and let him try to fight it out. But this is basically equates to a slap on the wrist. Yeah, I know he already missed a year, but it's essentially a slap on the wrist and he'll be back playing basketball as soon. You know, getting back, uh, I would imagine, a, a decent portion of the money that he lost as far as the amount per year that he'll get paid. So, no, it's ridiculous. The NBA dropped the ball big time on this. Don't agree with it at all.
2: Yeah, do you feel like the NBA made a statement that they are not going to put up with that type of behavior right. anymore? The no, they no. didn't. The answer is Not no. at all. This was an opportunity here, Wes, and I understand completely what you're talking about as well. It gets into a weird ter- territory when you're trying to rank different offenses or incidences when you're talking about domestic yeah. violence. But, again, it is important to note that he was arrested on a felony domestic violence count. The injuries that Michelle Johnson said she suffered that were a part of the medical report on the pictures that she posted to to social media, it was heinous, it was brutal to read all of that. And then Miles Bridges, you're right, did not play another game for the rest of this last season, did not play one single game, and they're trying to bake that into this arbitrary cake where, okay, there's there's wiggle room here. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you set some kind of line in the sand that says, if you are accused of these types of domestic violence acts, that there is a big enough punishment to deter different NBA players from doing that in the future? And to me, the answer is no. Yep. Especially if Miles Bridges is talented enough, and he is a talented basketball player. Our NBA franchises – Are the Charlotte Hornets going to deem him talented enough to put up with whatever small PR backlash there's going to be because time is going to move past to the point where you're okay as long as you can get that talent back. So how much is he going to earn? Because this was somebody that was going to get close to $30 million a year. And then so if we're talking about after missing all of last season, which he was not signed to an NBA team, you can try to point to that and say, okay, that's a part of the suspension, but also – What's going to happen in the future if somebody else commits something similar to this, where he is arrested for felony domestic violence, are you going to try to hold this up as precedent and say, well, Miles Bridges was suspended for a whole season and then it was over a hundred games. We added 30 onto it, but like he wasn't playing for a team last year. Nobody signed him. And so it's not like the NBA set forth any kind of discipline for Miles Bridges. That was not a part of it. And so what kind of line, what what, what are you going to do next year, the year after, if this thing happens again with somebody else? And to me, you did not de-incentivize that enough for, to, for it to deter future acts. And that's a huge problem. So you're right. The NBA had a real opportunity to say, we are not going to tolerate domestic violence at any level, especially on a felony count. And at the end... Miles Bridges serves a quote-unquote 30-game suspension that really only equates to 10 when you take into effect next season.
3: Yeah, I mean, you just can't say it enough. And, you know, women and the different things that they deal with, and this is part of the reason why when this happens to a lot of women, they don't come forward because they fear that the consequences might not be harsh enough or enough to deter uh, behaviors. Like I said, when I brought up the Latrell Sprewell case, just saying that, you know, it's more harshly punished when you put your hands on uh, a male employee of the NBA than it is to put it on the mother of your children uh, and and the woman that you're with or any woman in general. Like I said, I mean, this is just, like I said, despicable by the NBA. And they just really lost out on the opportunity, like I said, because the thing is, you can't go You know, you can't try to come back if this happens again and go stronger this time. You've already set a weak precedent. So the NBA is just kind of, they just really didn't do a good job with this.
2: Yeah, we'll read some of the comments on the other side of the break, and then we'll talk about this a little bit later on in the show as well. We do have to get to the first overall selection buzz. We're 10 days out from the NFL draft. Where is the meter pointing on who the Carolina Panthers are going to take with that top NFL draft pick? I'm kind of going ten toes down for one guy in particular, as Wes has expressed that earlier and throughout the NFL draft process. We'll get to that in just a moment. It's Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7, WFNZ.
0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And McDonald's for a limited time.
2: from the NFL Draft, who do you think is going to be the number one overall selection? Feel free to text us on the Garage Door Guru text line. The number is 704-570-9610. We've been going with the 10 toes down meter. Ever since Wes used that as a term of measurement, I've been about it. Okay? Are we nine toes down? Wes was (laughs) 10 toes, and then he stepped back a little bit. Then I think you were about like, I don't know, four... 6 something yeah, like about that. About 6. Tony Pauline got you off the 10 toes. And then, I don't even know what you heard after that. I think it was Joe Person writing about the possibility that maybe the Panthers could then trade back to number 2 overall and if they did. Oh that, no, that
3: came 10 toes came before that, especially okay.
2: when the S2 came out. Tell tell us, tell us about when 10 toes came. <laughs> when
3: the uh, S2 came out okay. and you know, when he scored really highly on that showing that he could think critically in in a moment's notice. And I just felt like a lot of the things, the misconceptions that even I had about him were starting to be answered slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. And Thomas Davis is still my number one ringer uh, in
2: all of this. Okay, so to- oh, so Thomas Davis is still the guy that yeah, has TD, proved-
3: TD is still one of my leaders
2: uh, as far as <laughs> okay. my theory, but you know. Okay, well, you got... You got Anthony Richardson as your number one. So he he still is the guy that you're rolling with as the number one pick. I finally am 10 toes down for someone. I've been talking about how we don't know who it's going to be. Okay. And you've even talked about how you don't even think the Panthers know who that pick is going to be. I'm all in on Bryce Young being the guy now. Yeah. 10 days out, baby. I'm 10 toes down. That's what you're thinking. toes, and, uh, all right. yeah, 100%, and it's going to be really hard <laughs> to move me off of that stance. Okay. I think when you look at – A lot of the different reporting. So many signs are pointing to Bryce Young. And then also you have this Q and a with Joe person where writers are giving some of the questions to the Panthers beat writer for a long time, Joe person, a part of the athletic. And the question was how much of the Bryce Young hype is posturing for a trade. There was so much reporting right after the trade up, um, trade up that they like only two QBs. Is that still the case? Or would you consider Bryce the clear leader at this point? And Joe Person makes the makes the point himself about if you're okay with having either one of the first two QBs at the top of this draft, then it makes sense that you might trade down to two overall if you get a smorgasbord, if you will, mm-hmm. of some of the assets that the Houston Texans would allow you to recoup and what you lost to Chicago, but you don't give all of that up for just settling for the second best guy or uh, we're kind of undecided. So we'll just take the second best guy. So that logic has always kind of led me to this idea anyway. But even with Joe writing, he's the likely candidate. All signs are pointing this way, but because of journalistic integrity with a lot of the reporters out there, understandably. So they are hesitant to go all in on saying Bryce Young is going to be the pick plus. So logic reporting, reporting, signs, whatever you want to point to, that's all leading me to feel very confident now, Wes, that Bryce Young is going to be that guy. And unless something massively changes, last week we did have the S2 testing, but that only cemented Bryce Young's stance. It improved Anthony Richardson for sure, but it only cemented what you already thought about Bryce Young, the processor, how smart he is. We know about the tape. We know about the Heisman. We know about the championship pedigree. Uh, all of that encompassed is why I'm going Bryce Young and I feel very good about him.
3: Being well, now, you know, like we said, we see David Newton coming out saying that league insiders are saying that C.J. Stroud is going to be the guy. I mean, every day, and we'll talk about that mm-hmm. later, but every day it's just some new report that leads us in a different direction. Uh, we still get that Anthony Richardson is still hanging around, still in consideration. And I think a lot of this, like I said to me, in most years, this is just, it's, it's asinine as far as how core there being in just the, the indecision, but I have steadfastly uh, stood by the fact that I don't think that the Panthers truly know what they want to do. I think they're starting to narrow it down, but I think that all these guys bring so much to the table. I mean, to be frank, I, I feel like in most drafts in my lifetime, there have been two quarterbacks at the top that there's been a battle over. Like next year, it'll be a top two battle uh, when you talk about Drake man, Caleb Williams. Now, will somebody emerge and be that third guy? But most years, it's a two-man race for the top pick, and then you might have some other guys underneath that. But I can't remember a year where there were three to four quarterbacks that were worthy uh, of being selected at the top, no matter how you want to look at it. We'll just say three, though. Maybe Levis is really just the guy Uh, sitting on the outside, but three guys that have the potential to be picked number one, and so because of that I think there's unprecedented thinking where you just can't, to me I I feel like it would be very difficult, and I think even when they're walking the the pick up to the commissioner, I think they'll feel good about it, but there'll always be some what ifs, especially depending on how this thing plays out. If you don't pick the guy that ends up being the biggest star in this class there's always going to be some what ifs you know when you pick that girl over the other girl, you still thought sometimes, man, what if uh what if I'd have made a decision the other way? What would have I happened? don't
2: think about that at all.
3: No, in I'm, I'm just saying in life at times <laughs> no, no. if you decided to you know, pick one girl over another, you know? So for, for the, the players. It, it, I, it, I didn't <laughs> I feel you not me. Yeah, <laughs> Fitty, thank you. Fitty, can you tell us
2: all about that, please? I would really appreciate it because I know nothing about it. But then going back to this where you do have a couple of guys that might be worthy of it. You know, one of the things that Joe person also talked about, and that was documented, it was the fact that the Bears were really trying to go with a trade back to number two, first with the Texans. Where the Texans would move up to number one, get their guy, and then the Bears right after that would trade down to number nine from number two, and Carolina would go up and Double settle for trade. one of the two. Well, that's what Ryan Polk got 40 picks. Well, and, it, and reportedly, Carolina was cool with it, Yeah, which, which means that you're okay with your top two guys. But then Joe Person also references some of the conversations he had earlier, where it's like, okay, what do you do this offseason? Someone in the organization said... You do everything you can to trade up to go get Bryce Young, right? Like you have to have a 1A option in bold, and then you could possibly be cool with whoever that other option is and then recoup some of the assets that you lost. Mm -hmm. But there's clearly somebody else that you would be in favor of at number one. And they even said when they're talking about trading up to two or one, most likely they would like to have that top choice. I just think everything makes sense that it would be a Bryce Young being that guy where, the The negative is the size. It is the only negative. I know Joe Marino talked about like he's he's honestly given the only piece of on field analysis that was negative towards Bryce Young, right? Like only one, which is pretty hard to sidestep if everybody is picking your game apart. Nobody's really talked about anything that he does that is worrisome on the field with how he plays. It's all about him being so short. And I've always thought it was a valid point. It's a valid point. Yeah. Small. Small in really every sense of the way when you're talking about weight, height. You're worried about him taking a beating inside the pocket with these big old edge rushers. You know, coming inside the pocket, right? Like, that's, that's really tough. So, with Bryce Young, for me, the only thing that we've heard is Marino worried about the time that he had to throw. And which is kind of interesting, but yeah, for, for me, he's always been the guy. And speaking of some analysis with his on-field play here's Steve Sarkeesian discussing how Bryce young is like an NBA star that could also be really small and be really effective.
5: I think the best way to describe Bryce, um, I don't know, I don't know if anyone's heard this or not to me, he's Steph Curry on grass. You know, I think that was, that was what everybody said about Steph Curry going into the NBA. Was he going to be big enough could he really shoot like that uh, in the NBA? And I think that that Steph has proved yeah. that. Bryce Bryce is unique. He's not the most physically imposing-looking guy, right? Um, but his feel in the pocket, his instincts of passing the football, his recognition of coverage, the anticipation he throws the ball with for a guy that can't see, allegedly, but, but how, somehow he sees it, his ability to extend plays, um, he's slippery on contact. Very rarely does he take a direct hit. Um, and I think he comes from a, from a great system. Um, I think he comes from a great program that, that prepares you to go play in the NFL. Um, so in the end, I think Bryce has got a great career ahead of him.
2: Tell us why you gave the stink face.
5: Well, for one, I was
3: like, who, whoever said that Steph Curry was too small when he came out of Davidson? I never heard
2: that. I mean, I guess there were some worries, but also, I mean, he was a point guard. Yeah. I mean, Like, it was just kind of of the normal evaluation. What what do we think of Steph Curry going in? And he slipped for a reason, but also the Knicks were going to take him if the Warriors didn't. So, no, I understand.
3: He makes a good point, though, uh, for the people out there that want to detract from him because of his size. He talked about how he knows how to get hit. And I think that's something we haven't talked about. We've talked about pocket presence, but this is also something Luke Keekley said that we're going to get into as well. And he's, you know, one of the greatest defenders of all time, and he definitely can see those type of traits in a quarterback. I think that's important to bring up because this is a man that, like I said, he's been small his whole life. So you don't think, especially from what I saw and how he's been a prodigious talent since he was, you know, 10, 11 years old, Maybe even younger. You don't think his dad, he and his dad, because I know his dad trained him a lot, and his dad was with him the whole way. I would think that that was one of the things that they went over and made sure that that was a priority for him to learn. They said, "Son, you're a D1 prospect. You're going to be a great quarterback. So you're going to have to learn how to get hit because you know if you take the wrong one, which a guy that's six five, two fifty can take the wrong hit and be done." But For his size, I would think that that was an art uh, that, and and Keekley talked about that, how that really is an art, that really is a talent. And I know if I have a son that's that size, that's that good at the quarterback position, that is something that I'm gonna put high priority on. Learn how to take hits. You see the guy coming. Don't try to be a tough guy. Get your butt down. Yeah. Okay. Protect yourself. So I think that's another thing that's going to uh, make him a viable player in this league where he won't be on the injury report all the time because he knows how to get hit. If he can take the licks in the SEC and keep himself relatively healthy, he can do it in the NFL.
2: Well, and, and I also think some people are laughing at the Steph Curry comparison, and there are some reasons to laugh at it if you want to. But I'm not even interested in pointing out the flaws in a direct comparison between those two. I just care about the feeling. Think about how this guy is being described by multiple people trying to figure out who the best QB in the draft is. People have compared Bryce Young to now Steph Curry because you're trying to encapsulate the feeling you watching Bryce. And then it feels the same watching one of the best NBA players of all time, like top 15. And then after last year's championship, he finally gets the NBA finals MVP. I mean, he could be flirting with the top 10 spot. Watch whatever. the LSU
3: throw. That's that's uh, the Curry
2: talk. Well, there you go. Like, and I'm not even interested in the top 10 debate, whatever, but you get the idea what you get that feeling watching Bryce. You know who else he's been compared to a small Pat Mahomes I mean Mm -hmm. we've heard that comparison more often than not I'm not even interested in debunking those comparisons oh well everybody slow down Pat oh Steph Curry please (laughs) everybody slow down Why is he getting multiple evaluations, comparisons to those types of dynamic guys that we are watching and possibly thinking they could be the greatest of all time by the end of their career if he is evoking those emotions in you watching him play but the only reason you're afraid of him is that he's too small? Okay, I'm good. I'll take the guy that makes you feel like that watching him play, which he all did. Us watching him play at Alabama, all of us felt that type of, who. There's some special ability here. Yeah, he's small, okay? He's real small, but there's some real special ability here. I've said it a million times. Wes, I am okay striking out on Bryce Young, the most talented QB here in the draft. Maybe not most talented, Anthony Richardson, but the best. Let's just flat out call it with something simple. The best QB prospect in this draft. I'm okay striking out on him because of his size.
3: No, you're right. You could say the most talented. Anthony Richardson is the most athletically gifted of these quarterbacks. But no, the most talented is Bryce Young. When you talk about, when you put everything together, I'm just sitting here looking at highlights now as we speak. I mean, the Texas game, the way he's ducking out of sacks, making pinpoint throws on the run the Patrick Mahomes comparisons are apt. Okay. You talk about arm talent, him being able to throw at different angles. I mean, it's all there. There's no question about it. Like I said, my theory of being 10 toes down on Anthony Richardson is because of several factors, but as far as who is the best, who is the daddy, of all mm-hmm. these quarterbacks playing this position, it's Bryce the Young. The daddy move, yeah. <laughs> Bryce way. Young
2: is the daddy. I it is fun to because of the angle that I get watching Fitty produce this show. When he hears something, something goes off in his head. You said daddy, he immediately reaches for the soundboard because he's got something new for us. And you know there. what you are? What am I?
4: You're just a you're snob daddy.
2: I'm snob daddy. That's what you are. I don't even remember you saying that. I think I said it to Willie. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder. I was like, what did you, usually I, I remember the insults that you hurl at me, but I didn't remember the snob daddy. I I remember slim daddy. I remember that one, but I don't remember snob daddy. Yeah. People are still pointing out the flaws and the comparisons. That That's fine. And with Pat Mahomes, he is the rare dude that checks off every single one of the boxes, right? He has the rushing ability. He has the size. He has the arm that can throw it out of the stadium where Bryce Young doesn't have that. He does not have that cannon. Again, I'm not interested in dissecting whether these things are right or wrong. Clearly, nobody is Pat Mahomes. I'm interested in, oh, you're telling me that he could be a mini version of that where he is, has all of the skill set, except he just doesn't have the body. Cool. I will take all of that with the number one overall selection and leave a happy man.
4: The 704 says... Um, they just hope the goal is to not draft Jamarcus Russell two How concerned are y'all that Bryce Young could be Jamarcus Russell two I have
3: Jamarcus Russell. That I'm makes bef- me almost want to lay on the board and cry that somebody would even say something that dumb. I'm sorry, you know, insulting the, just, the, the listeners, but come on, man.
2: Look, I'm gonna try come to help on now. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try to help real quick. Like <laughs> that that's gotta be <laughs> That's got to be an only sort of form of number one pick bust. There is there is no other worry that you have between those two. And then, I mean, because they're – could you think of a more different prospect?
3: Like, that's what I'm, I'm saying. I mean, that's the type of comment, like, Fiddy has a great art of – <laughs> ignoring something that you say and continuing on with the conversation he wants to have yeah if i'm talking to that person in the text that's what i'm doing right. to them when they say something like that i'm just going to just continue talking about what i was talking about it, it it couldn't be more apples to oranges
2: and 704 said i'm not comparing him to jamarcus so it, it right i look and i'm going to give the texter sort of the benefit of the doubt on that because why in the world would you there's literally nothing that makes sense. even there. if you wanted to it's go
3: intangibly He's not getting the hype Jamarcus Russell got. Jamarcus Russell's workout is the stuff of legend. Like, coming into that draft, people were very, very high on him. But when you talk maturity... The way he plays a position. Well, and
2: it's the classic. And handing, I don't want to insult. Well,
3: well, it's the classic. We look. We don't have to insult. <laughs> I'm him. talking about insulting Jamarcus Russell because no, no, I was going to bring up some of the other stuff.
2: Well, I know, but, <laughs> but me, yeah. me too. What I will say is, <laughs> remember what? I mean, one of the funnier stories about him is the fact that the team would hand him blank CDs, and then he would go, yeah. and then he would come back and say, "Oh yeah, no, I watched it. I thought that was great, but it was they were blank." And then he would say that he watched him because they had an inkling that he wasn't watching the actual game film that they would provide him. That ain't Bryce Young (laughs) by every I mean, every single fiber there is so different. He's actually
3: very likable, though. When I watched his interview on the pivot and stuff like that, once you really got into the story and how things went, you come out of it with a different perspective.
2: For sure. But right. Like if you're if how worried are we about Bryce Young being a bust? That's the thing about this, too. There is some security baked into this election, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to have some safety. You want to have that floor. And the reason you don't draft him here is because you think he's going to get hurt. But it's not because you think he's going to fail. I I wonder how many people think he's just going to outright fail because he's not good enough. I I wonder how many people think that about Bryce Young. Because the people that think he's going to fail thinks he's not going to be on the field, right? But I don't know if anybody who, who thinks that Bryce Young is going to go out there and throw a bunch of interceptions and play the position poorly. I don't see a lot of people providing that kind of analysis. All right, Fiddy, what you got for your first Fiddy Flash of the day?
4: Well, if Wes want to do fall on the board and cry after that comment, so did Willie P after Charlotte yeah. FC earned a draw at home against Colorado over the weekend. They actually erased a 1-0 deficit. They scored two goals in less than three minutes, but they gave up an extra-time equalizer to walk away with just a single point at the bank on Saturday night. Also, yesterday up in Uptown, the Charlotte Knights won on a walk-off, and here's what it sounded like at the ballpark.
2: One and two on Skoug. Maldonado sets. Here it comes swing fly ball get out of here this one is up up it is gone a Knights winner how about that a walk off two run home run and the Charlotte Knights beat the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp and the Knights walk them off second time in the series (laughs) <laughs> so do I. Can you say that? I just like that in the background. I love jumbo shrimp.
4: That was a very <laughs> private
2: thought coming to the airs from
4: life. Of course, the nights are off today. Getaway day. They'll be back in action tomorrow. And yesterday in NASCAR, Kyle Larson won at Martinsville to take home the grandfather clock and a reminder that all NASCAR coverage here on Sports Radio WFNZ, it's brought to you by Dale Earnhardt Chevy up in Newton, North Uh, Carolina. uh, Okay, a couple
2: things real quickly that don't really relate to the sport part of it. One, I love that a grandfather clock is being given out as a trophy. That's awesome. Two, you're right. Jumbo shrimp is amazing. And three, yeah, about Matt Swearad. Shout to Matt Swearad. Somebody I haven't heard in quite some time giving you the call there for the Charlotte Knights Sports Radio Network. We'll come back and give you the mock draft melee. Maybe. It sneaks up on us i don't know we'll have to see you'll have to see too stay tuned weston walker sports radio 927, wfnz
0: raise a spoon to grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to mcdonald's for mcnuggets and the play play slide have something sweet in her honor come to mcdonald's and treat yourself to the grandma mcflurry today and participating in mcdonald's for a limited time
2: season with the first second third pick in the nfl draft here comes
3: the commissioner
2: sneaking up on you immediately it's the mock draft melee on wes and walker we got so many of them about to come to an end 10 days from now the nfl draft will take place and because of that by the way we gave you the 10 toes down measurement where are we on anthony richardson bryce young also because we're 10 days out in honor of that fact we'll also give you the top 10 carolina panthers draft picks of all time so stick around for that coming up in just an hour but with the mock draft here dane brugler dropped the beast as he calls it The seven-round mock draft, and Dane Brugler, I don't know if there's anybody more thorough. And look, Mel Kuyper, Daniel Jeremiah, what these guys do, are absolutely incredible. But this is like a manifesto that he drops every single year with there being seven rounds that he goes through. Gives you some of the analysis on the top picks out of each round, and Carolina's going to have a couple here that are worth noting, including number one, where he does have... Bryce Young. Just another sign, if you want to take stock into it, just another sign that Bryce Young could be the first overall selection, but even Brugler mentions in that write-up about the Alabama QB that the more he dissects this particular pick, the more he's hearing that people think Bryce is going to be that guy. So... No question here. I'll give you a different question here, uh, Wes. I know you're all about Anthony Richardson being here. I know you like Bryce Young a lot. Mm -hmm. What are the chances that C.J. Stroud is still in the conversation, right? Because at first it was all about C.J., S2 testing, ability in you know or throwing with pressure in his face not nearly yeah. as good man it feels like he's dropped quite a bit do you think there's still a possibility of him being the number one pick
3: uh i think that there, there could be for sure like i said i think everybody's fair game at this point i think bryce is probably the leader in the clubhouse Slightly, but I still, like I said, Anthony Richardson and I think C.J. Stroud still still uh, in there as well. You saw the interactions they had with him, the way they said the Panthers were reacting at his pro day. I think there's still a lot there that they like, especially the accuracy uh, aspect. You know, he didn't win the big games at Michigan or whatnot, but still that Georgia performance is still going to weigh heavily uh, on the minds of a lot of people as well. Just the fact that he can rise to the occasion against the best uh, of competition. So I think that he's I think he's there in the mix.
2: Yeah, I think that imagine if he didn't have he does. Right. So it's a moot point. But imagine if he didn't have that Georgia game. I wonder if he would still be considered to be a top three pick or top number one overall. But he did. And he was awesome. And that carries a lot of weight, as it should, because in the biggest games, he did show up quite a bit. Just man, the S2 testing. I hate that killed him just for him. I hate that that killed him. In a lot of people's minds. Let's go to number 39. A name that I've seen here a decent amount, Mm -hmm. but we haven't talked about it as much. How about BJ Ojalari, the mm-hmm. edge rusher coming out of LSU. Mm-hmm. If you look at Trevor Sykema of Pro Football Focus, I know he's joined the Kyle Bailey show a couple of times. Trevor Sykema said, um, a couple of week or just last week that there aren't many edge rushers with the kind of speed and bend that Ojalari has. So much so that I'm shocked he's not in more first round mock drafts. PFF gave him an 83 type of score. He's credited with quite a bit of impressive pass rush type of stats. How would you like this selection at number 39?
3: Uh, Man, I try not to get caught up in the... Uh, you know schools and the and the stigma that comes with certain schools, but a lot of those LSU pass rushers, whether you talk about Mingo or some of the other guys that they've had uh, in the past, don't necessarily come out and, and do too well. LSU is more known for their defensive backs and kind of their inside linebackers are pretty good players, but the pass rushes they get a lot of gas, you know. But you like what you see there as far as 20 and a half sacks the last two seasons. He's been productive since he got there. 2020 as a true freshman, he had five sacks. So this is a guy uh, that can get after the quarterback, when you look at uh, the breakdowns on him as far as, you know, people love his athleticism, like they said, the speed. Uh, But, you know, when you look at some of the top reasons that people maybe don't like him, it's just, you know, the size isn't necessarily ideal, the strength not necessarily being as physical uh, as you'd want him to be. And then just talk about having those long arms that you like a lot as a pass rusher. But this is a guy who, you know, gets off being able to bend around the corner, get up under that tackle, Mm -hmm. or he's a good chase down guy uh, from the backside. So, uh, but you kind of want a guy that's going to be a little bit more physical at the point of attack and. I am kind of falling into the LSU pass rusher bias just a little bit uh, when it comes to uh, this guy. But I mean, like I said, if you're going off the the tape and what he brought to the table, SEC, big-time football uh, at LSU, you know, he's not a he's not a bad selection. Yeah, and, and I understand, right, like
2: a lot of the guys coming out of LSU just haven't lived up to the hype. LeBron Chazon, I think, is one where he didn't also live up to the hype as well, even though he was drafted a little bit later. Cowherd does say, it reminds me of the talk when Daniil Hunter came out. So there is one exception to the rule, but I do know what you mean. More often than not, those LSU Tigers have not panned out as an edge rusher third round pick at number 93 wide receiver not addressed with the 39th overall selection but it was here Dane Brugler has Jaden Reed wide receiver out of Michigan State going at number 93 overall if you look at his relative athletic score take a look at what he did at the combine his speed grade graded out at a very high rate. It was green. It was great with all of the other comparisons that you have speed. Yeah, 445. Yep, smaller guy, six foot, uh, not too small, right? Six foot, 185 pounds, so he's not extremely small, but the size grade was poor with the relative athletic score. The explosion was just average. So what would you do with the Jaden Reed here being that selection with what you've seen with some of the writers?
3: I liked him. I saw him play several times with Michigan State. He was a big play guy. Uh, when you look at it, the combine, he actually got measured. He They measured him out at 5'11" okay. uh with that 4.4540 40 and a 33 and a half vert. I mean, that's not necessarily ideal when you talk about a guy who's already going to be at a disadvantage because of the height. The vert is not necessarily there as well because that's the thing there. 4.45 is it's it's good speed, it's not fantastic speed when you're 5'11". Uh you will want a guy that size to be a little bit more of a blazer and we're talking about 10 of a second because if he runs low 44 then you're like, oh, that's a good time. I mean, it is a good time, but the 33-and-a-half vert, mm-hmm. uh, you want to see a little bit more explosion there because this is a guy that, especially you talk about downfield situations, is going to have to go up and get it, but uh, he was very productive uh, at Michigan State. I liked him as a player. As a third-round pick, I guess, you know, he could be a, a, a poor man's tank. Uh, my man from Houston. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, that uh, was your
2: guy last week. That yeah, was a man, that's my
3: guy now. You know, I want, I want him uh, as well, so um i i would like to see you know if the Panthers do go with the receiver to get him not the type of year that you know he thought he would have this year Michigan State was down as a whole right. uh, but you know 55 catches 636 yards and five scores I mean, he, he he could be a, a, a solid third-round pick at receiver.
2: Yeah, and Clay Harbor, uh, longtime NFL player, now kind of analyzing this stuff, said uh, he was very impressive at the Senior Bowl. He put very in all caps, so you know it's Good real. Good
3: retirement man, too. Three return touchdowns during this time at Michigan State. Three punt return TDs.
2: So an interesting name there. Real quickly, before we move on and go to the 1 o'clock hour, any of these other names stand out to you? Just real quickly, at 114 overall, Bruegler has the Panthers taking Terrell Smith, a cornerback out of Minnesota 132 Zach Evans running back out of Ole Miss and the last pick there 145 Yasir Abdullah the linebacker out of Louisville any of those names that you want to shed light on before we move on
3: yeah you know I'm very familiar with Yasir Abdullah him being a uh, Louisville guy Uh, I like him especially if you're able to get him there I think that would be good value because we talked about um Ojolari and the numbers that he put up but this is the guy over the last two seasons 19 and a half sacks now he kind of gets that, that that Brian Burns syndrome a little bit. He does benefit from some busted uh, blocking schemes sometimes with uh, a good many of his sacks as well, and I think that's why you see the stock falling because when you watch his tape, he's not necessarily got to just can continually just go through an offensive lineman to get his sacks, but still nonetheless, you know, 31 tackles for loss in the last two seasons as well, so he's very disruptive and a couple of interceptions uh, this past season, so this is a guy, you know, you could plug him in perhaps in that three for that outside backer and he could he could produce for you as well and then you coach him up so you might have something
2: there. Yeah Zach Evans, one name I'll shed light on real quickly, a guy that was ranked in 2020 only behind Bijan Robinson as some of the top running back prospects. If you look at his athletic score great speed and everything else was average whether it be ability um, composite ability grade, or excuse me agility grade, explosion size, all that average but the speed very much is there and then you look at the tape, some really special runs as well, so Zach Evans could be somebody interesting, and as a fifth round guy, you see those guys see the field, yeah. especially even as a rookie. You could now Isaiah Pacheco just won a Super Bowl that's with Kansas your kind City. of running back, man, good and cheap, 100% and good. <laughs> and that's why I would like Zach Evans possibly there with that later selection. We'll move on to the one o'clock hour coming up next. We'll talk about Wes's day at Clemson, talking to Cade Klubnik, talking to Dabo Sweeney. It's up hmm. next, Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. And participate participating McDonald's for a limited time.